I mean, this is not part of the sermon, but uh, like many of you, my heart's been heavy for the people of Ukraine over these last couple weeks, almost two weeks now, that they've been under bombardment. And uh, I think there's a, for a lot of us, it's a sense of just helplessness of not knowing exactly what to do or how we can help. Um, but we know that we can pray. We know that we can give to uh, different organizations who will send supplies and medicines and different things to Ukraine as well as the neighboring countries where refugee, refugees are moving to. But uh, I, I also feel like I'm extremely blessed to be the age <laughs> that I am having grown up in a relatively peaceful time in our world. And yes, there were threats of nuclear bombs and things like that go off when I was younger. And, you know, I remember the days of getting under the desk, you know, in case of a, some kind of a uh, attack from Russia. But uh, this is something different, isn't it? Something different, something really to be concerned about, something to be praying about. We understand that God is sovereign over all things. Many people ask, well, is this a sign of the end of the times? And it, it could be, it could be. Uh, specifically in Ezekiel, um, the prophecy there in, in verses, uh, chapters, I think it's 37, 38, or it might be 38, 39, speak of a country north of Israel attacking Israel. So that country has always been interpreted as being Russia attacking Israel. That, of course, is different than, than uh, Russia attacking Ukraine. But, uh, yeah, we just have to pray, right? We have, just have to pray, pray for the people of Ukraine and surrounding nations who are uh, suffering because of this and, uh, yeah, entrusted into God's hands. In the meantime, I believe he's got a word for us from the book of Philippians today. And also, I, I would appreciate it, just on a side note, be praying for the revival to come. I hate having revivals when they're just, uh, just more meetings of the same kind, <laughs> right? I want this to be a revival, amen? I want it to be a revival where our hearts are quickened and we are no longer content to sit in pews, but we want to get up and we want to move and do the will of God in our nation and in our country. And that's what I'm praying for is that this will be different. And I, I was so thrilled uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about Paul and he was in prison and he was in prison and it had caused some of the brothers to be emboldened and they were sharing Christ, but some of them were doing it out of envy, envy and rivalry. And Paul said, it doesn't make any difference to me as long as he's being preached. And so this revival that's coming up, we've got five different speakers and ultimately it has nothing to do with who's speaking, right? It has to do with the Holy Spirit. We pray, I hope we pray, come Holy Spirit. And I hope we fast in preparing for this revival that's coming up. Because I haven't done a lot of research on revivals but those revivals where there's really been a move of the Holy Spirit has always started out with prayer and brokenness. And by brokenness, I mean people who are 
broken of their pride. They're willing to get down on their knees. They've been driven to their knees by God in order to pray for things that they don't have, things that they need, things for the kingdom of God. And so help us this next few weeks to be broken and to be a people of prayer, seeking God, seeking revival, not only in Noble, not only at Freedom Baptist Church, but in our whole country, amen? In our whole country. So you probably go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter two. Today we're gonna to be talking about uh, the title of the sermon sermon is to work out your own salvation. salvation. And you're going to tell me I have to work for it? Well, I'm not exactly going to tell you you have to work for it because the scripture says that we must work out our salvation. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. But Paul, so far in this book, he's been such an encouragement to the people of Philippi. He's extended grace and peace to them and He's really explained grace in a different way. The way he puts it in the beginning of his letters, uh, we know grace as God's unmerited favor toward us. But also when we understand that God's grace is an unmerited favor toward us, then we also understand that great power comes from that. We understand that the power must come through God. It cannot be ourselves doing the work. Otherwise, it's just not powerful enough. It has to be from God. And when we bow our knee, when we confess that we're saved by grace, that we've done nothing at all to deserve that, and we understand that, then God has humbled us and we are ready to be his servants. And so he's taught us about grace and peace. He's taught us about how essential Christian fellowship is. And I am so glad that in the last few weeks, it seems as though our attendance has been growing a little bit people coming back, people getting you know, out of their homes and coming to church, and I'm so thankful that people are doing that. And we've, because Christian fellowship is essential, right? It is essential. We can do without it for a while, but what, we need to come back and be part of a Christian fellowship, a part of a local body of the church. He's talked about how our priority is the advance of the gospel. And Paul says this, of course, when he's in prison. He says, even though I'm in prison, the gospel must advance. And he says, in fact, it has advanced because the whole imperial guard has heard about Christ. He took advantage of that opportunity, didn't he? He thought, I am in prison, what can I do? I can share the gospel with everyone I meet, and that's exactly what he did. And then finally, last week, we learned a little bit about having this mindset of, of humility and that if we have that, it will bring us great reward to ourselves personally, but then ultimately also it will bring great glory and honor to Christ. And don't you want to see that? Yeah. Don't we want to see that? I think sometimes glory is very difficult for us to understand because it's almost something otherworldly. But glory is all about the honor, the fame, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he deserves to be in the forefront of all people, of all of their lives. And so that's what this brings out. Having a mindset of humility will bring us great reward. We learned that last week. And ultimately, it will bring glory to Christ as other people see Christ in us. And so we kind of finished up last week with these verses I, I wanted to read verses 9 through 11 before we stand up and read our other ones. But 
because of Jesus and his humility, it says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is our Savior God and what he has attained. He is highly exalted. He is above all others. Every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Every knee in heaven and knee on the earth will pay homage to our Lord and Savior. And I look forward to that day when Jesus is seen in his rightful place. But let's go ahead, since we understand from these verses that Jesus is Lord over all, let's go ahead and stand and read verses 12 through 18 because it starts out with a therefore. And you know what therefore causes you to ask, why is it there? <laughs> and it's there for a reason because it connects the verses I just read with the ones that we are going to read. So Paul starts out in verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but more, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith I am glad and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity we have this time, every Sunday, to come and to learn from your word. And we pray that you would help us to understand this difficult concept of working out our salvation. It almost sounds like we're working for and somehow there's a way that we can deserve our salvation. Help us to find the truth today about what that means and help us to understand it and help it really to make a difference in our lives today. We pray for wisdom because once we have understanding, we need to understand how to use that wisely in our world. And so what we learn today, give us great wisdom so that we will be able to use it even this week as we speak to others about Christ. And then we pray that you would help us to be obedient and be obedient with joy. That's the only way that the New Testament describes true obedience is that it brings a sense of joy. And if we're doing something that we think is in obedience, but it doesn't bring us joy, then we should step back and look once again, why are we doing that? Are we doing that for Christ or are we doing that for ourselves? So help us to understand, help us to be wise, help us to have a sense of obedience and doing your will and uh, move in our congregation in a great way today. We ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. amen. 
So Jesus is Lord. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Jesus is Lord. He is master over everything. He is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over our church here today. He's sovereign over the weather. He's sovereign over all the planets, the stars, the galaxies. And even if we go down into the uh, smaller realms, there are things such as atoms and protons and neutrons and quarks and muons and all different kind of critters down there. And they are all under the sovereign control of God. That's, that's my belief. That's what I believe that the Bible says. He didn't just create the creation and then let it go, but he is continually in charge and governing all of creation. And so he is great and we, we worship him and we make no apology for worship, worshiping him as God because he is God who has come in the flesh. So he's done all this for us, and then he tells us in his word this message that we are to have for today. And it's really easy sometimes to get what the main message is because it just stands out so starkly. And to me, this verse stands out very starkly. It's from verse 12. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So there's something that we have to work out and we must do it with fear and trembling. And we're gonna talk about that for just a little bit. First of all, we can rule out what it doesn't say. It does not say we do work for our salvation, right? We do not work for our salvation. That's a gift given to us. Purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no way that we could ever pay that debt that was owed to God, but that it was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10 says, For by grace you must save through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's the test. Here's the test. If we can claim any kind of credit, then it's no longer by works, right? So if we were to stand in front of God and God would ask, well, why should I let you into heaven? And if we start out by saying, well, I, we've already gone the wrong direction, right? <laughs> if, we, if we say, well, I was baptized or I did this or I did that, we've started in the wrong direction. It's all about Having faith and trust in Christ is what saves. It's given to us as a gift. And even the gift that we believe with is given to us as a gift. And so we can claim none of the credit. And that's exactly what this verse says that we should not do. We should not boast. We should not uh, realize it as being of any of our good works. But it's given to us as a gift precisely so that no one may boast. You know why we are not supposed to boast, don't you? In ourselves, we're not supposed to boast in ourselves because we're supposed to be boasting about Christ and what he has done for us. It's he who has paid the penalty for our sin, not us. And so we are to boast in the Lord. We work out our salvation. We don't work for it. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. When I hear the term we worked out, I think about live it out right? Our Sunday school lesson. 
Every week, our Sunday school lesson, we have three little applications that we are to try to do that next coming week, and they vary from week to week. But work it out sounds like live it out, and I think they're basically the same thing. We have been given a salvation. We have been giving the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and working it out means letting that spirit come out and manifest itself to the rest of the world so that they can see Jesus. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It means that we live it out. It means that we put your faith into practice and that we begin to show obedience. So we do this with fear and trembling. Why did he put fear and trembling there? Why do we work this out with fear and trembling? Well, there's a couple reasons, I think, why it says fear and trembling. First of all, this is an awesome work of God, isn't it? To think that God would care enough about me that he would enter my life through the Holy Spirit and that he would begin to work in such a way as to make someone who is so undeserving fit for the kingdom of God. I think that's why it's done with a sense of fear and trembling. Trembling can also mean excitement. This is an exciting thing, right? Amen? Yes. <laughs> this is an exciting thing because it means that original decision that you made, God is still working in you and he's not left you nor forsaken you, but he is still living and fulfilling his work. He wants you to bear fruit, right? He wants you to be obedient. In fact, we find out that working out your salvation is just another way of saying, we work to be obedient to the Lord. Working out our salvation means, is just another way of saying we work to be obedient to our Lord. We learn to be obedient. And so if you look at the very first verse that we read today, verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have been always, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Those two concepts there are interchangeable. They have always obeyed. He wants them to continue what they have always done, and then he calls it working out your salvation with fear and trembling. The goal of our salvation for many people has always meant going to heaven. And that's true, right? That is a goal of our salvation, is to go to heaven. But another goal of our salvation is that we be obedient to him. God tried this all through the Old Testament period of time. Remember the people of Israel? Remember how they would obey and then they would become wealthy? And this particularly happened in the book of Judges, but they would go through this cycle continually. They would obey God and they would, God would bless them and their nation and they would grow. And then they would become uh, uh, apathetic. What is the word? Apathetic, is that the word? <laughs> Help me. Is that the right word? Apathetic? Yeah, it sounded weird for a moment. Yeah, apathetic. They would become apathetic. They would, not, they would no longer be following the Lord and they would get into trouble. 
and then God would have to save them again. And that cycle just continued on and on and on. And so they never came to a place to where they were obedient, at least not for a very long period of time. God wants to change that in the new covenant. He wants to give us a new heart. That's exactly what we need is a new heart. And so in John 3.36, this may surprise you that it's in the same chapter as John 3.16, but it's shortly after John 3.16, which we know very well. John's, here Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. We know that and understand that, right? Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So Jesus is telling us there is a very big difference when you accept me as your Lord and Savior that should take, in your play, take place in your life. You should have a desire to be obedient because of the spirit that I have given you inside of you. And so when we look at commandments in the Bible, the person who is really and truly saved will look at those commandments and say, am I doing those commandments? Am I being obedient Christ? Have I learned to trust and obey as the old hymn says? Romans 1, 4 through 6 says, Paul's opening up this book to the, to the church at Rome and he's telling them why he's writing this lengthy book and he says, it was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Do you get the drift of that? Why have we received grace and why did Paul receive apostleship? It's to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Right there you have God's purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life is that you be obedient out of faith and that you do it for the sake of his name among the nations. Jesus Christ will be famous in all the nations in one day. In one day he will sit on the throne in Jerusalem and he will rule over all of this. And it will be fulfilled that all the nations will know him. So the question arises, how do I work on obedience? How do I work for, for obedience? And one way you do that is just by looking for commands in the Bible and saying, and asking yourself, have I been obedient to these? And so even in our scripture that we have read here today, there are commandments in here. We are to work on our relationship with others is the first one that I picked out. Now, I may not say it exactly like that, but verse 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> that is so hard to do. It's a, lot, it's a lot easier to read that sentence than it is to do it. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. It doesn't say do some things. It doesn't say do many things or most things. It says do all things without grumbling or disputing. In other words, it's speaking about how, to we, how do we relate to one another when there are things that maybe we don't all see eye to eye on. Well, we should do it without grumbling. We should do it without disputing, endless, ongoing arguments. In other words, we are supposed to have an attitude of peace, love, forgiveness, and unity 
within the people of God. Got to get amen for that? We are supposed to have peace, love, forgiveness, and unity with the people of God. And this is something that takes us continually uh, opportunity to, to work on it. Because we're normal people, right? Are we normal people? Actually, we're not normal people. Actually, we're super normal people because we have the Holy Spirit within us. But we have a tendency to fall back into normalcy. And when we do that, sometimes we let our words get away from us. Maybe we say things that we regret and there becomes disunity in the church. And we cannot have that if we are to be able to do the work that God has asked us to do. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. In other words, we need to take every opportunity that we can to help establish peace and unity within the church. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's one way. We are to work on our relationship with others. Secondly, we are to kill our sins. I was going to put work on our sins there. That wasn't strong enough. We don't work on our sins. We have to kill our sin that is within us. That we might live and glorify God with the light that you shine. So we are to grow in holiness. We are to kill our sin. We're Thankfully, we're given instructions from God's word. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's always a way of escape. I know it may be hard to see sometimes. I've looked sometimes and I, I wasn't sure I could find the way to escape. But every time we are tempted, and we're not tempted by God, we're tempted by Satan, there is a, there is a way for us to escape from it. There was a way for Joseph, right, to escape from Potiphar's wife. And he just fled when she tried to approach him and wanted to do things that he didn't knew were wrong. He said, I've got to run out of this situation. No time to keep my cloak, no time to you know, hesitate, but I need to get out of there. And for some of us, that's the best thing that we can do is just flee away. Don't try to stand and find it in your own strength. That's where we get back to pride, right? We get back to a situation where we think, oh, I can handle this, and we can't handle that. We can't handle it in our own strength. We must, in the Holy Spirit, run away from that sin many times. That's, that's the thing that we need to do is to run away. And so by running away, we begin to kill those desires that are in our life. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. You thought I was saying something unscriptural, right? When I was talking about killing sin? Right from the Bible there. But by the Spirit, it's by the Spirit, right? It's not by us, it's by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. I'm always amazed. It seems like sometimes we miss verses like this. 
who give us an either or. Do you notice that verse? Just how, how important that verse is. It says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. In other words, if any of you are living according to the flesh, you will die. You will not be saved. You are not saved if you're living according to the flesh. But if you live by the Spirit, you put the death, the deeds of the body, you will live. It's, it really is true that a true Christian will be putting away the deeds of the body, will be killing sin in their life. John Owen, probably no one knows who John Owen is, but he was a great theologian back in the 1700s, back in the Church of England, and believe, believe I mean, there were great theologians back there who understood Scripture. Some of them ended up coming... Um, and being part of the Puritans. Some of them ended up being part of pilgrims. Uh, but he said this about killing sin. He's probably most famous for knowing this quote. Do you mortify? In other words, do you put to death? Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Sin is nothing to play around with. It is nothing to play around with. And it all too easily entangles us sometimes. But we need to, in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength, put it to death. And we do it for a very good reason. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this is the flip side. After we have killed the sin, then our light really can shine forth to other people that they may see our good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other words, shine the light of your life in Christ so that others will glorify him. Kill your sins that you might live and glorify God and then work to hold fast to God's word of life to the very end. We're to hold on to the very end, amen? amen? We are to hold on to the very end. We are committed to that. Christ himself is committed to that. Paul says this, he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Hold on to the scripture to the end. All scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. We must make a commitment to be <clears throat> holding fast to God's word to the very end of our life. We do the pledges every day at at my school, Ambassador Christian Academy. So we do the Pledge of Allegiance, we do the Pledge to the Christian Flag, and then we do the Pledge to the Bible. And I always have trouble with the one for the Bible, but I think I can remember it. I'll probably end up missing it. It's from, one, it's from Psalm 119, 105, 106. But I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. 
and will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hold fast to God's word to the very end. That's what we're asked to do in working out our salvation. Just one more, and then we'll be closing, but we are to work through tough times of sacrifice and remain faithful, and in doing so, rejoice. We are to work through times of sacrifice and remain faithful. We've talked about this quite a bit, but there's, it's no surprise to us that difficult times come for all of us, for all of our families. Many in this church are going through difficult times now with elderly people in their life and trying to take good care of them. And it's hard and it's worth doing, but it is a sacrifice. If you're going through a time like that, let me just say to you today that God is with you. He will strengthen you. He will help you get through this time. Amen? Amen. He sure will. So in concluding this today, my last statement that I have to say that you have on your handout is, we work in the power of God who is working within us to accomplish his will. So, and I say that because any natural person would say, how can I do all this? How can I do all this? How can I be obedient? How can I work toward peace in my church family? How can I not do, do things without grumbling? I mean, that almost seems impossible for me to do it. Well, we go back to verse 12 and 13. 13 gives us the answer to that. Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, so now also in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now this, verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen? Amen, Amen. that's good news, right? That is very good news. That means that it is not us who is doing the work. We're doing the work, but it's God who is doing the work through us. It's his will and it's his good pleasure to do the work within you. And so what is our response? Our response is just to surrender to him, right? Sur to surrender to him. And that's been given to us through, the, through Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. In other words, we're no longer under the law of the Old Testament, but we're under the law of the Spirit. The Spirit gives us power to do all these things that He has asked us to do. Even probably more clear is Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. In Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What God commands, he empowers us to do, amen? If he commands something to do this, if he commands us to work out our salvation, to learn obedience, then he gives us the power to do that. Are you learning obedience by working out your salvation? 
Are you still doing that? I mean, I know many of us have been Christians for many, many years. Are we finished with that task yet? We can check it off. No, we can't, right? We've not, none of us have reached that place yet. We're all still learning to be obedient in all things. And so that is my closing prayer today, is that we would be aware of this, that we would think about it, that it wouldn't go away from us, but when we see commandments in the Bible, we wouldn't read over them so closely, but we'd stop and say, am I being obedient to that in my life? And the answer is yes, and praise God and rejoice. But if the answer is no, praise God and rejoice because he wants to help you through that. He wants to help you to do better than that. Let's pray. Father, we thank so much for this time. We thank you for this kind of strange scripture which says that we're to work out our salvation. In other words, you have given us something and we have it right now, but there's aspects of it that are still being worked out. And that doesn't mean we don't have them. It just means that they're not evident in our life yet. You're bringing those out for everyone to view and to bring glory and honor to you. And so we, we pray that you would help us, first of all, to understand these two verses, which almost seem to contradict each other, but they don't. There is a work for us to do. We are to work out our salvation, but it's all through the power that you give us through your Holy Spirit. So help us to know how to surrender ourselves in such a way that you're able to do this work within us. Father, you are so powerful. You never give us a task which we cannot complete in the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be mindful of those in the Bible. And when it says to share our faith, help us to be mindful, to not take that as just coincidence, but that you have someone coming and you're giving us the opportunity to share our faith and be prepared to do that. Be prepared to say yes. Maybe it's an opportunity to pray for Ukraine or for someone in our local community. You bring it upon their mind or someone rings up the phone and you answer it and, and they say, will you pray for so-and-so? They're having a difficult time. They're, they've been transferred to a hospital. Instead of just hanging up the phone, would you help us to just stop and pray at that moment for that person? Father, so much time that we could be spending in prayer and sharing the word. Help us to do that, not as a means of gaining our salvation, but working out this great salvation, this great work that you have done within us. Help it to work out so that we will be lights to many, many people and that you, we will bring glory and honor to you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.